rock. Welcome everybody back to the Spinner Rack. I'm here with the boys, PD Cal, Professor CA, and we're talking about Donner himself. Mr. Donner. He's known for Superman, the movie that helped to set the whole superhero movie franchises up starting in 19 this was in 1978 1979 Cal 78 78 you know from there the father of the modern superhero uh, movie so we give him mad props but in addition to that Goonies he was the, the director of Goonies he was the producer I think the director of probably the first two films of the excellent franchise he was the the head the man of the lethal weapons franchise you know and of course the people talk about but hey, what can we say about um, Mr. Don himself, the Don of the Don, okay? So I'm gonna pass it on to our boy Calvin Ellis to give us a little bit more background. Calvin, give us a heads up, baby. Well, first, rest in peace, Richard Donna. Know you're entertaining them all, keeping them all entertained thoroughly on the other side. <laughs> this is a guy who, I mean, his career goes back to 1961 in terms of film and television he worked on in terms of television he worked on everything from the twilight zone to Gilligan's island the banana splits the riflemen i mean just a really long career both in television and then of course his major hits with film which mars already noted but uh he also has a, also had a production company uh with his wife the donner company and well if you enjoyed x-men they were pretty much responsible for every single X-Men film from X-Men to Logan to Deadpool anything that was X anything that was along that X line you know came out over there uh he wrote a couple he did write some comics <clears throat> he actually wrote a couple of Superman uh, storylines uh not a lot uh, but I was familiar with the Superman storylines that he did and uh, it's just I, I look at his career and I just say this type of stuff becomes rarer and rarer we have someone who's doing this particular thing for the long term. I'm in here. I love directing. You know, I love working with film, television, the, you know, the whole process. And this is going to be me from start to finish. Because, you know, even at 91, he wasn't done with any of this stuff. He may not have been directing. His last film was, uh, what was it again? 16 Bridges, 2006. That's his last film he was actually directing, but still involved in terms of the production. You know all of that, all of that sort of, all of sort of stuff. Uh, I know some of us have our own personal favorites. Mine is going to be Superman. I believe with Mars, it's Goonies, as he keeps saying Goonies. Maybe Lethal Weapon and such. Uh, but uh, Richard Donner is one of these directors, and I'm speaking strictly with Superman. But he's one of these directors who's never going to be forgotten because of that of that long line of work that he's done. And you know, you have a film like Superman, which is in the National Archives. Uh, where you have uh, materials from that Superman film that have made it into Smithsonian, and he's going to be synonymous with that as long as people, you know, as, as long as people can watch good, you know, quality films being made. It's, uh, you know, it's a testament to an incredibly long career uh, that's going to live on much, you know, it's going to live on, even though that he's gone from us now. Yeah, I mean... I'll I'll jump in here and say obviously, you know Superman, you know, would bring you know would be the first thing I would think about. But I, even before that, it had to be obviously the TV credits of uh, Above and Beyond for me because there's so much stuff as a kid I watch. Obviously, like 
um, Gilligan's Island and the Twilight Zone. But, you know, the idea as a kid, like seeing glimpses of the trail of the omen and being like, oh my goodness. And it's like, it makes so much sense because like the basic stuff that you, when you see the trail, it's some of the basic stuff when you're struggling with a kid crying and stuff like that. And the kid sort of just playing around and inadvertently doing things. And you could see that sort of take on this character who's supposed to, you know, had this inherent evil, but it's just done as like a, like a regular looking kid. So it's a very powerful film. And I think that's what, you know, he was a hot, you know, he had the, had some buzz to get him to, to get to do Superman or almost do two Superman films. And that's the other thing of, I look at it you know, as a kid, it was like, it was really Superman, like going to the movies and then like really being Superman and not putting into as what we look at is because that point I don't even see it wouldn't see like um, Silver Age, Golden Age. It was just anything of that from the early, from the forties to that point. It was just Superman. So it was like really seeing Superman as a character realized on film and even as Clark Kent in Smallville. You know, so it's really a powerful thing. You know, the Goonies kind of sort of creeped up on me because something I'd see on cable a lot, and I was just like, oh, you kind of. You know, they kind of fall for that too. Uh, what else? I would say, I mean, obviously, the, I would go to Superman and saying it looks like the Mill movies doesn't look like a superhero movie. It looks like a movie that could go with all of the classic sort of 70s type film and how, like, really looking like, even though it's Metropolis, having that New York feel and not losing it. It's not that easy for someone to do. You can find the wrong locations to make it not look authentic, but it really may having him be Superman in this grounded sort of town, really sort of the strength of it where everyone else is like, put bright colors. We need bright backgrounds. We need to do like solid colors in the back, like that sort of thing. And he really sort of grounded it. Yeah, he made it a, what was the thing he said? He said, we don't have to believe that Superman's real. We just have to believe in the world that's created for him. And by making that world is, you know, life as, as much like our own as possible in terms of the visuals you know i thought that went a long way towards it yeah so it's um you know there's such a, a strong effort for the genre and really saying it could be done seriously and and have um you know chris reeve do it with a you know do it with a smile and not be ashamed of who he was as a character and the idea of immediately thinking about it and then getting the right writer on the project and say um Hey, well, it said he showed up in, was it John Mankiewicz? And he, and he showed up in the costume, what costume they had, obviously not the one that they filmed in. And said, and they're like, we can't, like basically questioning their, you know, this thing to be able to do it. But then they, you know, obviously both of them was, you know, Richard John was already planning on taking it seriously. The writer, you know, a killer script using, utilizing all the settings that were already there and just bringing out, you know, bringing something serious to it. So you can, you know, um, you know, that's something that you can always look back on. The other thing is like the Lethal Weapon series, especially the first two, you know, I always somehow drag my father into this stuff. My father was kind of iffy on the second one because he was felt it was a little too, too like a supervillain type of thing. But um, at the same time, that sort of, franchise is just very strong for a cop drama. And there's so many cop dramas, but it was just something that really sort of worked putting these two together. But it's not until Maverick that I realized that 
<laughs> Danny Glover is like, I don't know, I felt like he was like a good five feet taller than Mel Gibson because he shows up in Maverick. And I'm like saying, who's that guy? Like, he's huge. Look at the little Mel Gibson. <laughs> but um, that would go to Martin, you know, Maverick is one of just a fun movie to watch. So it's like this guy who not only as director, but as producer, like just a, you know, a strong quality, strong, strong resume and strong body of work at the same time. And even the ones that you kind of like conspiracy theory, something that I'd still sit down and watch when you get that scene with the clockwork orange scene, you're like, oh my God, I can't take this anymore. So. I mean, um, definitely on my end, R.I.P. and it's a, it's a it's a talent that I always go go back to and look at his films. What did you say regarding Superman? Uh, when when the Salkins got the rights, I've said this before, and I, I never tire of saying it. When the Salkins got the rights from Warner Brothers to the, the two Superman films and the, the franchise, that means they could do a whole bunch. They could do pretty much anything Superman related. They did a uh, Superman. They did. Superboy, they did Supergirl, they would have done Crypto if you know they would have let them. But they got the rights from Warner Brothers relatively cheap, you know, in terms of acquiring the rights to do a film. And a big part of that was that Warner Brothers didn't believe that they could do it. Warner Brothers did not believe that they could make a Superman movie. They were like, look at this guy, he can fly, he's got all these powers, he's got all this other type of stuff. You know, it'll just never happen. So Warner Brothers, and they pretty much look at Superman the same way now, they were just like, okay, free money. You know, you're paying us for this and it's never going to happen. And the Salkins went, I remember who they, uh, they had lined up a couple of well-known directors in terms of doing it, but they went after Richard Donner based on his work that they saw in The Omen. Uh, and of course, the fact that he was willing to do it and then that he was cheap. So the Salkins were trying to save as, as much money as possible at the end of the day. But he, you know, he pulled it off. You know, that's something else to say. Uh, we have the tagline with the film saying, you'll believe that a man can fly. But this is the guy who actually made Warner Brothers believe it at the end of the day. They had no faith in one of their biggest properties at the time. But he came in, saw it, and at no point did he ever believe this was something that couldn't be achieved. And Superman, again, that's the, that's the gold standard. That's the, there's no superhero film at this point that you should say can't be made because you, you were able to do it with Superman in 78 with the technology and the stuff that they have then. All you have to do is have the right people and you can pull it off. So again, something that Richard Donner leaves for all of these guys, uh, it's such a, just a, a great body of work and a high standard of quality. I'm always surprised when I find out that he directed a film, they like Maverick. And I'm like, oh, well, I really enjoyed Maverick and find out that he's behind it. And there was so much stuff that he was behind that you'd enjoy, but he approached everything with a certain, uh, with definitely with the craftsmanship, quality, care, you know, professionalism and, you know, here we, you know, again, just a, you know, a great, great body of work. Professor Sia, you got anything you want to talk about? Um, bring it. No, I just had so much like uh, respect and reverence for both like PDs and Cal's kind of like really deep dive takes. I didn't really want to interrupt or take away from that. Um, for myself, yeah, standard, standard influence was that was a Superman movie. Um, his take on it, I mean, the idea of even taking him on like a, a Boda Vista or like a Christ figure um, was genius. Um, and that whole, t I mean, when I first rewatched that movies, like maybe 10 years ago, like I've seen it when I was actually when the movie came out and all that, but when I was actually able to process like how well that movie holds up um, in terms of him being this kind of like Superman is being 
selfless and like Lex, Lu Lex Luthor being like greedy or selfish or even the way they played it out, it, it was like perfect. Um, the illusions, the voiceover, um, the ending, I mean, he changed the game, like literally, like literally. Um, and then I forget that he was um, um, part of the, the X-Men franchise movies and to see that influence on that to, to kind of have a stakehold in DC and the impact of how Superman should be treated from every other writer or creator dealing with them and setting that tone um, with the X-Men in terms of being the first, knowing that that was uh, a metaphor and analogy for um, for race, uh, yeah, it was, and just people who were just like overlooked, underserved. Um, yeah, props, man. Definitely a life, a life well, well, well led, and the impacts um, will be there forever. So, rest in power, rest in prose, Richard Donner. I mean, definitely, you guys have hit some of the great um, highlights of movies that he's done over the years, and I got to give um, enough credit, but. It's the one thing about Richard Donner that I that kind of hits me is that, dude, as I look through the list of movies and TV shows that he was involved in, I saw so many of them and did not realize that he was involved in quite so uh, many shows. I mean, clearly he was he had the whole action genre and, you know, um, superhero genre down. But when you look at where he started in the uh, in Westerns, you know, you saw him. He, he worked for some of the greats, the Desi Lu, which is, you know, um, the company of Desi Arnaz and um, Lucille Ball. You know, he worked on um, stuff like, uh, <clears throat> we'll just give some of the shows, and I don't know if everybody knows, but the Westerns were like the superhero movies of the of today. You know, TV shows he was doing, he wasn't doing movies. You know, when he was talking, he did, um, uh, he did Half Gun Will Travel, he did The Rifleman, you know, and shows that people, to this day, my parents and others talk about like, hey, this is one of them. He worked on Get Smart Comedy. He had a, a, he did Gilligan's Island. He worked on quite a few shows. You know, we gave him a good enough background, I guess, that when he finally did his breakout movie, The Omen, come on, The Omen came out two years before Superman and put him on the map. That movie, you know, um, was one of the, the big hits of the time. I mean, you think he was associated with the, with the, with the, with the horror film back then? Uh, you just, it's just amazing. And then you start going down the whole filmography after that, you know, Superman, Superman 2, the, the toy, you know, remember the toy guys with, um, you know, Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason. We're trying not to bring up the toy. but <laughs> I remember it. You know, I thought it was absolutely crazy. I watched it a bunch of times, but we're not supposed to say that we watched or liked the toy. Okay. Okay. What about Lady Hawk? You know, I mean, 40. The, the Lady Hawk. What about with um with um uh, what's his name? The guy. Matt, well, Matt what about Bowie. what about the Tales from the Crypt? That is the oh, Tales from the Crypt. That was crazy. The '93 episodes. Oh man, yeah. From '89 to '96, holding it down. Holding it down. Hey, and what, what, what about assassins with Antonio Antonio Banderas and um, Sylvester Stallone? I mean, we're talking about big dudes here. Not talking not not even talking about the, the Lethal Weapon franchise. You know, with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, you know, um, what else can we talk about? I mean, these are Scrooged. You know? don't want to talk about Free Willy, though, huh? He just wants to talk about the tragedy with Free Willy. That's all he wants to talk about. That Richard Donner had nothing to do with. Gentlemen, I gave you guys the floor and you guys are attacking me uh, in, in my thing here. All I'm just saying, look, enough respect. Yes, as if we knew the toy, so I had to respond then, right? That wasn't an attack. It was an attack. 
but you know, it's, I would love uh, to see a remake. I would love to see a remake of the toy. And what about the Lost Boys, the vampire movie? Oh, without yeah, 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 that's the thing, yeah. classic. Thank, thank you. Classic. I'm just saying. I, I look at his movie and I say, Jesus, this guy was our childhood. You know, what I'm trying to say he did some of the top movies that we were really into. Uh, and well, at, at, the, at, at yeah. the risk of at the risk of making this prosaic, what's your favorite Richard Donner film, Mars? I can't say. I, as I look down the list, there's just so many. You know, yeah, I you love, can. Yeah, I you can. You can pick. You already said it. You already said it to us earlier. Yeah, that's right. We know what it is. Just, just own it. I don't recall what you. The Goonies. You like the Goonies. Everyone like the loves Goonies. the Goonies. I like the Goonies, but I'm just saying that wasn't the only movie. You know. I, no, I, but you like the Goonies. You bring I that like one the Goonies. I like. I like Lady Hawk. I liked. Uh, no, no, no. It's not what I asked you. What is it about the Goonies that you like? You know, we were kids back then, and then the, mm. that 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 he it, says, that's an adventure. He said Robin Green. That's what he said. Hey, The Lost Boys was one of my favorite movies too. The vampires moving into the town and dealing with it. I thought it was excellent too. So hey, hey it was meant the X Men movies. You know, I mean, they were not exactly what we would consider the best uh, representation of superhero movies. But they back then they were the ish. Dark Phoenix Saga was the ish. X Two. Um, 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 what do you call that? Um, what is it? Um, the, the movie, what is it called? It's uh, X Men, X Men, X Two. You know, X Men, X Two. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. You know, I did he, he did a lot of stuff, and I think you know, you have to have this type of background where you do different. He did Western, he did horror, he did superhero, he did comedy. That is what you're talking about as, as, a, as a director. He didn't, he got panned from many of these movies, and they made money. You know, because mm -hmm. he was able to connect with his audience and say, hey, this is what these people really want to watch. And I think that's it. I don't see any of the stuff that he was nominated for an Oscar, but, you know, I can't believe the the, uh, the, the, the uh, Oscar, the, the, what the American Academy of Sciences, Motion Pictures and Arts will not put him in as a posthumous Oscar with this body of work and the impact yeah. that he had. Okay. It's not going to, I mean, the whole point of being able to do work and produce stuff that you like. And, um, you know, having that thread, even going for the, you know, the Tales from the Crypt and um, the perversions of science and some of the other, I think there's two pieces of tales where it's like this thing where he might not have been the biggest superhero fan, but he obviously was a big maybe EC fan because he did a lot of stuff in that genre. So it's interesting to see there's some little bit of history. Oh, oh, and the yeah, EC Comics, but I was in Max Gaines, and that's the stuff, the stuff that was all teared apart by, um, you know, um, the, the those hearings and that sort of thing. Those were the books that were kind of, but it seemed like those, that's a, there's a thread as far as the TV he was producing, where it'd be the Tales from the Crypt, there's a Two-Fisted Tales movie, there's a Perversion, which would be um, Weird Science, but obviously Weird Science, the name was already used, so they used Perversions of Science. So there's a, there's a, I mean, as you were said, just saying, like being able to not just do different genres and different mediums, but do those well, because ultimately those at that point, I think when we were younger, you had the was it um like uh what's that thing um, Tales from the Dark Side yeah and that sort of period even the Twilight Zone from the eighties kind of had um, died out doing the, these sort of um, these sort of one-shot anthology anthology type TV shows and to have Tales from the Crypt that was something that people don't even connect that it was a comic book and everyone just sort of taken to it and wanting to watch it 
you know, whereas um, I think, yeah, the last one I think was HBO's Watch Watcher or something like that. And um, what was it? Oh, what's it? The Hitch a Hitchhiker. That's a Hitchhiker, something like that. So this is what having it going for that many years from, it's like, um, like seven years. So that sort of things. And that's a whole different thing of, you know, being, being involved in. So do super superheroes, some humor, some adventure, like being able to capture some of those, that sort of thing as a filmmaker, which isn't always easy because a lot of times your style sort of bleeds or the auteur theory kind of bleeds into the other thing. You don't imagine, you know, like a Tarantino thing without having some exploitation or some of the long dialogue scenes. And then when you're in there and you're watching Lethal Weapon as a kid, and you're like, this, the guy that did Superman did this? Like, I was wondering what happened to him. He did the Goonies. I thought that was, um, I thought that was, um, who's that? I thought that was Steven Spielberg. Like, that sort of stuff. So, this is a, clearly a Steven Spielberg movie. Like, no, it's not. It's Richard Donner. Okay, whatever you say. So, yeah, that, that sort of ability as a director to just sort of, you know, deal with the, the content in front of him and sort of, you know, visualize it, bring it to life. You're right. It's like he, he, I just, it's just amazing. He was just as different genres, even Free Willy, whatever genre. <laughs> so, what was your favorite film of all, Professor C.A.? Superman, for sure. Uh, Calvin Ellis, no need to ask you because you, uh, we already know. <laughs> and Peter, don't do it, Mars. <laughs> uh, all right, so what I'll say, Superman. No, I'll take the last licks on it. You can have Petey for now. Petey, what's, um, what's your, what was your favorite movie out of the movie? I would have to say... I agree with you. I agree. That oh, was I agree with what I said. I, I have to say Superman, but not just because of Superman, because of the longer version of it that they showed on television, which had the, the sort of comic book moments, had the, the, the wasn't it, had the dinosaurs or whatever, whatever Lex Luthor had in his basement. Had all that stuff as a kid that I lost it for. And then had, so not only had all that well-rounded stuff I said before, it had Miss Tess Parker in it. So I'm going with Superman. Okay, Cal, I'm mean, <laughs> give you a second to, 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 clearly I'm the only one out who was, that was not his, not my favorite. What was your favorite? You said it was Goonies, right? It was Goonies, Lost Boys. Uh, those were some of my favorite. All right, so it was Goonies. So, Cal, what about you? What's your favorite? Well, yeah, Superman. All right, so oh, clearly we are in agreement once again that... No, know, no, it was, uh, to be honest, one of the things that I learned, I didn't realize how deep of a movie that was. I just enjoyed it, because, you know, I saw it as a kid. And it was like, oh, okay, this is great. I, you know, saw it on TV, and, you know, it was just, you know, yeah, you know, it's Superman. You know, how, you know, how could you not be into it? And then later on, I was actually talking with... Uh, I'm actually talking with CA and he's like, Yeah, what about all the uh the you know Christ figure imagery inside of the movie? I'm like, what Christ figure imagery inside of the movie? There's no Christ figure imagery inside of the movie. So I go back to watch it again and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's Christ figure imagery inside of the movie. How did I how did I not get this the first time? But I'm too busy focusing on all the other stuff that's still there. But you know, that other but then you watch and you're like, okay, you know, a little bit older, a little bit more knowledgeable. Then I come back to it again. But every time I come back to it again, there's something else I can draw from it. And I've always thought that is the uh, best type of film, music, art, 
something that you can go back to periodically and like, oh, there's something else that you could actually extract from that. That was, uh, I mean, it, it's such a great film on so many different levels with uh, Goonie at, Goonies and Lost Boys, I think, you know, really at say, uh, you know, at, at a tie for, uh, for second place. His ability to adhere to a single theme and really make that work at the end of the day uh, it, it is just amazing because you can find it through so many of his films. But I remember when I saw Goonies, you know, with when I saw Goonies, I wasn't expecting anything from it. You know, I didn't see it in the theaters. Saw it like you know, TV one afternoon, had nothing else to do, and I just remembered the song was a hit. So I was like, okay, let me see this. And you know, you just find like it's one of those great films that as it progresses, you realize, oh, this is going to be a good film. This is going to be good. You know, you start checking, like, how big? It's only been half an hour in? That's good. I still got, like, another half an, an hour and a half. I'm going to be entertained. And it's a thrill ride, but I, he, it, it, the biggest thing is you're watching it, and it really speaks to kids, that theme of the capability of children, where everybody wants to dismiss kids, like, oh, this, that, and the other, there's nothing we can do. And the kids, oh, no, there's plenty that we can do. There's a whole bunch that we can do. They come over and they pull, you know, they pull off the impossible. You know, that's, you know, that's the sort of thing that comes over there. And then... It uh, you get still you get a little bit more of that in the lost in the Lost Boys, even though it has you know the theme of course is very different when you're dealing with vampires. But all of that for me uh, goes back to I, I I learned a lot from I learned a lot from him in terms of uh, writing and the adherence to theme and you know with Superman, but also that application that I'm not going to approach a Superman film the same way that I'm going to approach a film about of teenagers fighting vampires. The same way I'm going to approach an adventure movie, you know, with kids, you know, in this, in this particular town, or leave the weapon for that matter. This was somebody like, okay, these are all different stories. Uh, they're, you know, all different characters, and the, the the motivations behind these things, and the, the universal message that's being sent out between them, all different. But he understood, you know, about the craftsmanship of the story. But with Superman, and for me, this is uh, well. This is the last, 1981 is the last time that anyone approached Superman with the care or respect that Richard Donner had, right? I hear a lot of people saying good stuff about the Superman and Lois TV show. Yeah, yeah, whatever. The last time approached Superman, okay? Like, no, this is a competent, uh, this, is a, this is a competent hero, man, etc. No apologies for it was Richard Donner. Everybody else is in his shadow. They're like shades of it. That means even the best stuff still doesn't understand he was able to pull up, pull it off with so much less, smaller budget, okay? None of these tricks and everything of that nature, but the ability to tell a good story and that adherence to theme. So that, you know, that's why Superman is always going to stand out. Hey, what can I say? Richard Connor, and if, you know, one of the many influences, okay, one of the all time greats. You know, heaven's a better place. What can I say? Rest in peace, Richard Donner. This would be this would be a great ending. I gotta chime in. I gotta chime in on two points. Not this is not in disagreement. This is just chiming and saying that at times when I read read the comic book, like Lana, I think at some point when I was like Lana was just trying to find new inventive ways to trick Clark Kent into becoming that he's Superboy all the time and then he they did the movie where Lana's the one that can see him as 
like a, a someone as nice as she wants to get with, but she did just not, you know, he just sort of, she's just not ready to break from the crowd, but she's interested. And that thread, that little bit of thread was enough to carry me to Superman 3 and be like, this works, even though it's not the same actress, that that energy, that little bit of those couple of scenes with them two together. And then we get this movie where Clark and Lana are connecting again and someone who sees Clark Kent as someone that's worthy and then sees him like, you know, you, you should be mad, you know, you don't want to pick, to pick you up, that sort of thing. So that sort of thread, that emotion, I wanted to see that movie. So I still always go back to it, but it's really from those couple of moments that she's, you know, not in the movie that long. She's only in uh, one scene where he has to clean up the, the football player stuff and then the scene where he runs home, which is so powerful. And then everyone else is saying, oh, I told you, you know, I forget what he thinks, he told you he's weird. And Lana's kind of like, wow, <laughs> it's, it's something, you know, something else to him. So it wasn't the exact same thing that we saw in the comic, but it was something very much interesting saying this is a very viable character. And the other thing I would say is that Let's let's not let's not go and, and round the way about the Goonies. As a as a kid watching it, I was like, okay, this is another one of those Steven Spielberg things. I'm not necessarily with this, and then it's on cable. I'm watching it again and again, and it actually was like the way kids are. Not to say to necessarily having a definite leader, as far as what I remember hanging out with kids, because that the leadership thing would always sort of shift. In, when you, within your friends of who would be the new alpha in the situation depending on what happens but the interaction with the girls where the girls were kind of their age but they were not necessarily with the boy they were shifting and they didn't necessarily connect with the boys in the same way but they connected with obviously with Josh Brolin they're like <laughs> they're kind of <laughs> like they're in the same age but they're like no we're looking towards Josh Brolin not these knucklehead kids that don't need to know it. But then they're still Goonies. They're still with them the entire time. So, and it really felt like the time, the few times in the, on the block when I was a kid, when the girls would hang out with us and they weren't always with us or we'd have to muscle in doing something stupid. Like they're playing double judge, trying to, trying to jump in on that and that sort of stupidness that was going on. But more being a kid and they're just like, we're doing something serious here and you guys. And so it really had that feel of these girls really trying to, trying to get grow up and the kids are like, we're kids. <laughs> and that sort of push pull, which was very interesting dynamic, really done on, on screen. I, mean, I guess because of his success, he was able to generate, get talent, talented writers, producers, actors, actresses, you know, a lot of his movies, so, which is, which is really good. Um, and, but, hey, I don't want to prolong this. I just want to say, Hey, RIP and we're all in agreement. Hey, great talent. Someone made a huge impact within many of the movies that hit us during our childhood and in our adulthood. Spin rack? Out. 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 Who has to send it? 